They say it never come to fruition unless the vision is crafted. My drive is relentlessly, repetitiously mastered. Progress is positive, pessimism is backward. Since failure ain't attractive, my next decision was drastic. We about to get down with the get down right here. I'm going to put it out there. That means when the consequences come, he's going to stand on it and fall on it. Right. But if you ain't about that, stay in the lane. Keep staying in your lane. Play your role. Maybe another brother who's cut like that, he's going to come push the line. And then you can, you can, you know, you can play backup. You can play you know, shotgun. Some, but yeah, you know yeah. that's. And then my last thing is, I would say, in, in philosophically, black philosophy, Cosby is just as much a victim as Pookie, as Nick Cannon is as Ray Ray. And the reason I say that is, when you take Cosby, that when you say Pookie and Ray Ray is a victim of their circumstances, whereas. Pookie might be sort of a bum, but he'll get out there. He might snatch a purse or two, but Pookie's cool with a joint and a 40, you know, and he, he want to knock down some, you know, the thought from around the way. Mm -hmm. Whereas Ray Ray might have aspirations. Now Ray Ray's moving weight. Ray Ray, you know, he got a brick or two. He got a whole squad, right? Mm -hmm. That's Ray Ray. Now there is an echelon of difference and excellence there. That's not mainstream acceptable, but it's a difference in excellence. It takes mathematics, it takes science, it takes anticipation, it takes right. nerve and skill to be Ray Ray. Mm -hmm. Right? Whereas if you got a Cosby, he's gone through a different sort of hard knocks in a way, nothing like Ray Ray. Right. But they both managed to achieve a certain amount of excellence. But guess what? They're both under a canopy of a dominant society that can take them down at any moment. Right. And look, to bring that metaphor to a point, they both wind up at the same damn place. In the same spot, exactly. <laughs> and you that's know what I'm saying? And that's the thing where it's like, one, you can't take it lightly. Taxes. One paid a lot of taxes and the other had it all free flow. You go, you could yeah. argue about who actually had more money. Yeah, right. <laughs> Because you wind up, like you said, in the same spot, regardless to when they felt like doing it, they did it and they accomplished it. And I think, again, like with the black male, is that sometimes, because like you said, like, I don't think necessarily like Bill Cosby is not an intelligent person, but you can't really play both sides of the field when you playing that type of game or when you going, like if you going for, for, you know, uplifting the black community i think they need to take it more seriously because it's like it's you can't just do that because you're trying to make a little money off of black people because they don't like if if your oppressor don't know that they're not gonna play that game with you so maybe you was just doing it for ratings but you was powerful enough to to pose a threat and you get taken down and i think that's why we'll see like the quick apologies from those type of people versus the people who say, no, I'm really about that life. And they pretty much lose it all. And they'll go into their smaller lifestyle of, of, of being an activist versus a celebrity. And we hear about those type of people all the time. Like you, you'll hear about the Lauren Hills long after, um, 
you know, the decline of their celebrity and you'll look up and see what they've been going through, you know, and it's like they be living a day to day struggle like the like the common man. But some people, um, they take it lightly and they think that it's a joke sometimes and they don't really um, align themselves with people who can protect them. Now, I'll just throw um, Farrakhan out there because he's just a name that I think people are familiar with and his platform is pretty consistent. So he's backed by, um, you know, the Nation of Islam. So whatever whatever understanding they have with the United States government or behind the scenes, only they would know to a T. Other people can speculate. But at the end of the day, he has a platform where he can speak freely and not necessarily have to worry about um, the repercussions of... Um, that other celebrities may have to worry about for whatever reason. So, you know, I've seen, I've seen um, a lot of videos of Farrakhan where he could speak about the same, the very things that a typical black man may speak about and get taken down or get banned or, you know, people want to censor you or silence you or say, don't listen to this person. Um, he can say a lot of those things and kind of get away with per se. Um, and I think that, as I get older, you know, you have to start looking at people, um, situations individually and learn from them, not necessarily try to mimic them because you don't know necessarily what the foundation of those platforms are, but there's something successful about it. And I think black men should take things more seriously when we uh, speak out, especially if we speaking out against things that we know people don't want us to speak about for instance, like toxic masculinity. That's not really a popular topic that people want black men who um, value masculinity to talk about. It's something they'll want feminine black men to talk about because they'll they'll downplay it with everybody else. Um, or you talk about the education system and you really talk about how the education system is not designed or built for the success of black boys and um, you know, you have to be serious about that platform because if you say it on the wrong platform, you can be taken down if you don't have the right support behind you. Um, so basically, I'm just getting that. I think black men should take it more serious if they're going to, um, you know, take those big leaps of uh, justice or seeking justice or equality or freedom of speech and just not take it so lightly to think that your platform don't mean much. You know, and I, I agree. I, myself, I love chess. Uh, when you talk about chess, right, on one hand, it's a game, right? But then again, it's, it's, it's a concept that applies to life and much greater ramifications. The better you learn the game, right? It's one of those things that transcends being a game. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of people that they play games, right? But that they don't learn. They don't learn how to apply them to life and in greater context. Meaning you can have strategy and you can have tactics, right? And the greatest chess players are the ones that use more strategy. Tactics are something that happen in the moment that you can take advantage of. But strategy is long-term. And what happens is you wind up think, thinking things through. 
and you wind up making certain moves that will put you in an overall position so that when you see a weakness in the enemy's position, you can employ a tactic and take advantage of it, right? And, and that means to me, understanding the long-term ramifications of a move before you even do it, right. before you even make it. Why? Because you're thinking a strategy. And uh, if you are a, for example, a, a, a Pookie, a Ray Ray, a Faya, a Bill Cosby, when you're gonna make a move, is it tactically sound in the moment to do so? If it's not, let me hold my positional strategy and keep my position sound. And when the time is right, I'm gonna move with this tactic. Now, that sort of thinking obviously wouldn't be foolproof for every situation in life being that we don't see the future per se, but philosophically it fits. If I were Nick Cannon and I say, for example, my strategy would be I'm building a platform. I'm in interviewing all types of people. I'm building my fan base. This is a good strategy. Why? Because it increases people that are all within my earshot, right? And I can sort of get messages out there. But what I do is I move them incremental moves, incremental moves. I don't make a boom, big attempt to checkmate. Why? Because the position's not right. So my strategy is I just keep doing that. If, if I'm a leap out there and say black people are the true Jews and the Eurocentric Jewish people are not true Jewish people, that's a checkmate attempt. <laughs> right, right. The position is not sound, right? <laughs> They're going to avoid checkmate. I'm going to lose my queen or my king or I'm going to lose the game. And so Cosby, for example, you know, I'm not sure what, well, if all the listeners knew, Cosby made a hostile attempt at a takeover. I believe it was CBS or some other channel back yeah. uh, in the day. And his son died just coincidentally right around the time he was making this big push to do that. Some say he got punished. His son was murdered in the car, had a Rolex on to my understanding or an expensive watch, had uh, things on him that he was not robbed. Whoever did it just murdered him and left. After that, coincidentally, Cosby dropped his, all of his efforts to acquire that network, okay? Mm -hmm. Fell back, started just, do his little comedy appearances, whatever, you know, I'm Cosby, Jello Pudding, whatever, I'm that guy. Next thing you know, this time around, I don't know how many people know, he was back at it. He said, maybe it's time for me to leave a legacy. I'm old, they, got, they had all this dirt on me, you know, I'm an old ass man now, right? That era's gone and probably ain't, they ain't got nothing on me. Everything was 20, 30 years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm about to die. I'm going to leave my legacy. If not now, it's now or never. Right? And he was back at it, making a push. You know, he wanted a network. Um, I want to say CBS again this time or just get a majority share. Mm -hmm. 
but lo and behold, a slew of accusations come 20 years ago. Right. You no, know, and all of them get thrown out, except for it comes down to one, uh, you know, one uh, air quotes, female, whatever, gave her a Benadryl, you know, allegedly groped her breast, and that's worth 10 years in prison, right, for a man in his 80s. Right. And so the whole chest thing, at some point, you might have to say, and I mean, in reality, like you said, surround yourself with people you can trust. Uh, maybe put money into other things. There's other strategies you need to employ. Right, exactly. You're going to jump out there with that tactic checkmate mug. You know, there might be some pride involved in that. I don't know. I heard uh, Professor Black Truth say once uh, that what he rightly should have done was, you know, grease a few palms and, you know, allegedly or not allegedly, but, you know, I'm just saying not uh, legalistically, illegally, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, grease a few palms here or there, legal defenses, a few judges, maybe some DAs Mm -hmm. in your hometown and sort of shield yourself from these types of things. These are the types of strategies, right, that we don't often think of. But uh, yeah, man, that's, that's uh, and I just wanted to say that to uh, what you had brought up, um, that um, uh, oftentimes we have to play by strategy. We can't jump out there with tactics and show our hand, like whether you're saying chess or poker, you can't show your hand until the time is right, and you must always consider the stakes. So, you know, it could have been, it would have probably been better for Nick Cannon to, for example, just be himself, continue what he was doing, right? Bring people on, whatever, build his platform, slide a little money to some of the more, you know, the brothers that is really standing on it. The grassroots people, right? Slide them a little, you know, help them out with their move, you know? Not necessarily affiliate yourself out front with them, but do a little something behind the scenes. And, you know, as they grow their platform, it might come a time where they pass the torch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, yeah, the enemy will always be looking to take out that most valuable piece. Exactly. Yeah. And when you have access to things like a celebrity, like Nick Cannon type of celebrity, um, yeah, you can, you might not even, he might not even realize the potential he had, had he took those steps. But when you just try to jump to the front, I mean, you run that risk of getting taken down. So it's like, you know, it's a lot of people who have been, like you say, grassroots, um, organizations that have been fighting for, um, fighting against, uh, injustice and whatnot. So I think it's kind of an insult too, when celebrities kind of just use their celebrity to jump in the, you know, in the heart of the fight. Yeah, and it's just like and then they get knocked down and they looking for their support but it's like but really what you tried to do was capitalize on something you really didn't work for you know and it's like so you get those mixed emotions where it's like that wasn't the smartest thing to do you know because if it's really a fight against injustice we could have used you if you sat down and talked with the people who've been doing this you know for generations 
You know, don't just come out and try to bust a quick little crossover move. And then when it don't go well, you want everybody to, you know, heal your wounds and pouch your wounds or whatever. And you just like, nah, man, you deserve some of them scrapes because you shouldn't have tried that move. And if you wanted to, you know, you wanted to play on this court, you should have came to practice with the rest of us. Don't just try to come to the game and play and then things don't go your way. And now you want to say it was a team failure. Come you know? out of the three-pointer. But look, man. He deserved his scrapes just on the strength of being a man. Now it's one exactly. thing he wanted to get out there and that and that was, yo, this is who I am. This is what I think they fake. And this is why. And you stand on it mm -hmm. and you know the repercussions and what's at risk. You calling out the very people that sign your checks. <laughs> right. Yeah. By, I mean, they own the platforms and the networks and all your distribution. So you you gonna call them out and you know what you're dealing with so that when you take them lumps and them nuts, yo, you might get more respect from the community and wind up being that martyr. Yeah. Whereas possibly. people can see, yeah, that's wicked. Look what they did to Nick Ken. Right. You might help, you know, if you go down um like Samson, like mm -hmm. I'm taking all the Philistines out, I'm gonna bring the whole damn temple down. Okay. Right. Okay. But like you said, don't be like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you throw it out there, bam, you know, all of a sudden, you you know, we we strategically advancing. You run your ass off front, be like, yo, pow, 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 pow. Right, pow. right, right. Like, pow, pow, you out the field, they hit you, bam. <laughs> Somebody come out here and get me. <laughs> yeah, like we can't break our strategy to come save everybody. <laughs> we got to come out of formation, go out the middle of that damn yeah. field that's gonna set us back ultimately and i think that it's important to just kind of just acknowledge those type of things like we the nobody's against anybody when it comes to a fight for you know inequality or a fight for justice and all these things but it's like people do have to be more smart and they have to take it serious and not necessarily try to use it as a point to just get uh brownie points or get their name sketched in the history book or, you know, like Colin Kaepernick or somebody like maybe he did right, right. what he did the right way. But it's like now he's going to go down as this person who was like um, a revolutionary. But when you really look at the when you really look at it, it's like, OK, I don't necessarily want to. I personally don't necessarily want to see his picture next to Martin Luther King. I understand what he did was was a good thing, but it's like, what did you really do? for the advancement of the black people. And, you know, by doing that, I don't know. And it was other, it was other players in the NFL who have been working and, um, you know, they, they have been progressively telling the NFL and these were, these were black players that were um, working on getting the NFL to acknowledge these things. And then Kaepernick just kind of come and he just kind of overshadowed all of that. And you don't really hear about those players who were there before Kaepernick and who are still, pushing for um the things that you really see he's just kind of the face of it and i don't right. think that that's a coincidence because it's like okay colin kaepernick i don't really know what his ethnicity is to be honest i'm not gonna say he ain't black i don't even know but my thing is they quick to put him kind of as as the face of the person who started this revolution in uh in the nfl because it's not really a black face at the end of the day when you have black faces who were really pushing and they didn't do it necessarily in that manner. 
But um, we basically, it doesn't do us any good if we're not doing these things collectively and really giving credit where credit is due and things of that nature. But um, yeah, just to kind of redirect it, but not too far. Another type of male and a uh, thing I wanted to address was like, um, you know, black fathers. Um, Cause you see a lot of situations of like Mike Brown or Trayvon Martin or Tamir Rice. Um, and you gotta ask yourself like, what are the fathers going through and where are the fathers just generally when it comes to addressing these issues of police brutality against not only the black male, but even black children. And I think it's kind of an unnatural response for fathers to, to not um, seek some kind of vengeance when somebody offends or, you know, violates their children. Now, I know there's a way where people think things through, but this kind of goes back to something that I mentioned before, like, your fight or flight response is kind of a natural response in the face of fear, um, where if you come across a lion, you don't necessarily think, am I fast enough to outrun the lion? You just run if you're afraid or you freeze or whatever. So it's more of a response versus a thought out reaction or um, yeah, reaction to something. But a lot of these cases, you see the black men kind of not really taking those places because, um, and I would say maybe out of fear of death, most likely it's out of fear of death. But how do black men really recover from that type of, um, that type of image that you put in your family? So you want to be the head of this structure and you want people to respect you in your household, which you deserve. But then when it's your time to do what you kind of set forth to do, which is protect the family, you don't necessarily do that. How do you really maintain that family structure when you're not protecting your family and that's really what you that's kind of what you're there for right right well i would say it's all part of the same conundrum well you know not wholesale what i mean is like when we talk about us being raised in mental shackles and physical shackles they're very real physical limitations i mean we often say that the shackles were iron at one point, and now they're mental. That's true in a, in, to a great extent, but to also equally as true, there are very real iron shackles still, right? There are very real things in our world and our life that can give us very hard, real consequences. It's not all mental in our mind. So the fact that we exist in a hostile, emasculating, buck-breaking tendency society and world, it's hard for us to be free. And the freedom has to start within our minds. Like, what is it? I'm going to think the way I want to think. We don't even think the way we want to think. I think self-censorship goes so deep that oftentimes that we as black men, for everybody, but we're talking about black men, is even when we are going to think a thought or think of an argument, we will immediately censor or re-sculpt or reshape mm -hmm. that thought, that expression before it even makes it to a cognizant state. Before mm -hmm. I think I'm gonna say this, it's gone through so many checks and balances, man, that is literally 
uh, sort of had to make it through all this censorship. And uh, so we got to figure out how to think as men, how to think, how to be free in our thoughts. And then, you know, that's going to show up in our expressions and in know who we are. And once, see, once we do that, we do that for the sake of that being who we are, not the primary goal of getting respect, not the primary goal of being respected or for, uh, you know, the women to look at us a certain way or anybody to look at us a certain way. The primary goal is to be free inside and be who we are inside and be, and be able to be, be that person. And once we start being that person inside and it shows up on the outside and people take hold of that, they take note of that, that's where the respect comes from. Because what that's gonna manifest as is we're doing things that are in agreement with our character. It won't be that, okay, let me get out here and figure out how to build some. Let me figure out how to make some money. Let me figure out how to leave a legacy for my children. Let me figure out how to do something. All those things won't be to do so that we can get recognition or respect or anything. It will be because it's part of who we are, it's our character. Because we love ourselves and our community. See, love always means to do something. It's not a feeling. Mm -hmm. Love is not a feeling anymore that you know, a house is a, is, you know, is a pile of bricks. There's got to be some structure to it. There's got to be something it does and accomplishes. And then you can look and you can identify it and say, okay, that's love, right? It's not just the feeling or the energy without any intellect or purpose behind it. So when we're walking in freedom and in love, who we are as Black men, it's gonna manifest in our building and in our expression. And, and people will be able to respect us for who we are because who we are will show up on the outside. It'll be part of everything we do. And, and it will be undeniable. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You are a black man who you can have the feelings and the emotion and the instincts and all that, but without the structure, without the, application and the practicality and the application and the engineering, um, it's not gonna be identifiable, all right? And who's gonna believe it? You know what I mean? Our mama, maybe. No, that's true. If, if her, you know what I'm saying? Right, if her, deep down inside, not even her probably. Really. Like, like sit your ass down somewhere. Yeah, you know, mom. So you gotta be free. And, you know, and I think that's that's at the core, man. Like, because when we talk practical things, okay, man, you got to get out there, bro. You got to start making that money. And when she see you paying them bills, like she going to respect, you know what? Right. That's a, that's a sign. That's a thing she can respect. But right, for you to be a respectable man, you have to be a respectable man. And then it shows in the things you do. Right. Yep. And it's a package deal. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And it's a part of your aura. Like, you can say a lot of things, but people can, like, 
you know, I've seen people say some things and you just don't buy it. You know, you kind of just see somebody like, yeah, you kind of talking a lot, but right. they don't really, they're not really showing you. And then you have some people who completely silent and you can see a certain level of confidence where you just like, okay, it presents in their aura. So you kind of do know you're going to walk different. And that's not, um, that's something that you can actually see. That's something that people will acknowledge. Like, right. I don't know what it is about this person, but they, they don't have to tell me they confident because it showed in so many other areas just by walking into the room versus somebody who's constantly saying, Oh yeah, I'm the stuff I'm confident blah, blah, blah. And you look at them and it's like, but you, your aura is very insecure because you don't, you're trying to mimic what you think confidence is. You're not necessarily showing it. And um, I think that is something that we would, that we, that as black men, we do have to, you know, really believe in, in ourselves and, and show it, you know, cause once we believe it, it will show and not necessarily try to show it or try to get respect. Like you said, if we, if we believe that we men and we start behaving in such a manner, then it's going to show. Yeah. When we believe that we're men, then we're thinking like men, we start thinking like men and we're free to do that. And then it's going to be who we are and the acts, the works, Man, the works is just going to come as part of a consequence. It's like, mm-hmm. if you put a tree somewhere, it's going to grow and spread branches and roots. Because right. that's part of what it is. That's what it do. Like, you don't look at a tree and be like, you know, spread. The, you ain't got to tell it. Spread your roots. Right. It's part of what it does. And, you know, you put a lion who's hungry in an environment, it's going to crouch, it's going to stalk, it's going to do what it do. And it's not something that has to like, okay, let me prove to them that I'm a tree or I'm a lion. No, it's part right. of the essence of the thing. So it's like you see a dude who's like, you can see a dude who's hustling backwards. I mean, in the sense of, okay, I'm gonna go out here and then I'm gonna make a little money and then they are gonna respect that. That's backwards, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right, you, right. You are relying on actions you take or attempt to show people that then they're going to respect those actions or the money or the material. And then that somehow is supposed to transfer into respect for you. It don't work that way. You is, it's the opposite. It's like you think as a man, you become a man, right? And you respect yourself, boom, from square one. And then you, are going to act as a man, right? It's come you ain't you. It's not something you're gonna be able to help. You're gonna do it's gonna. It's you're not gonna have to even worry about it because right. that's just gonna come through. You're gonna do that because it's gonna be in your nature, and mm-hmm. people will respect, like you said, the aura and the essence of you. Not only the things you do, they're gonna respect the aura and the essence of you, and then probably even be further wild by the things you do and accomplish so yeah that's what I, I think man I think a lot of us are not free we've been so deep down and we've been so trained to be uh quote-unquote humble or you know uh yeah. don't, don't uh tiptoe or don't you know that our inner man like our man has been is so aggressively attacked 27 yeah. Yeah. And that the essence has been sort of weakened in a lot of ways. And, and that manifests in our behavior. Yep.
And there's nothing respectable about that. You, even if it's loved, there, mm -hmm. there are women and children and families and even other communities and dare I say other races or whatever that can love a black man. And I mean, for real, like all the emotions are there. Don't want them to die. Don't want them to go to jail, all that stuff. Hide the nigger under the couch in the basement or whatever. Right. Show up or when Pookie come looking. But that's not respect. Right. <laughs> it can be genuine love, but it won't ever, it don't ever have to translate into respect. Yep. And we get that twisted a lot. Mm -hmm. Black people, black men, we get that twisted a lot. We go out and, you know, all that Latino, that Asian, or that sister is really feeling this vibe. And you know what I mean? We feel it love. You know what I mean? And then in our minds, we think in equality and respect and this and that. And no, bro, it don't even mean that. <laughs> no, it don't, man. It's true. People it's like their dogs black you men know, have the least. Kill you over there, dog. <laughs> exactly. The least. And you can always <laughs> tell the level of respect the person has for you, too, because when you step outside of that line, that box or that role that they put you in or that they expect you to be in, whether it be true or stereotype, once you step outside of that, people tell you their true feelings about what they think of you. So well, it come out, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I've seen I've seen black men be so disrespected and it's almost like they don't catch it. And it's like right, right. the it's simple normal. fact that somebody can walk up to you regardless of your age you could you could look fairly grown or young it don't matter but the fact that somebody can can walk up to you and even question how you're dressed oh why you got them baggy pants on or pull your pants up i was like realistically to be honest whether you're a young male or an older male it wouldn't matter because people feel that they don't have to respect you so they can come up to you and question what you're doing and you almost feel like you got an answer to it you know, right. like, like, hold up. First of all, you wouldn't see anybody else approach a man that they respected as a man and question what he looked like or what he was doing if they respect him. And it don't matter if he was doing something right or wrong. And I've noticed that where you can be doing something wrong, but people ain't going to question you if they respect you as a man because they're not really they know you're not going to play into it. And you're going to respond like a man. But when they think of you as a child or animal or lesser than, they'll approach you and, and they'll ask you questions that you, when you think about it, you're like, you would never ask any other man that type of question. Well, right. And, 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 go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you're right. Um, as a man, for example, uh, there are certain instances where people will feel comfortable disrespecting you. And uh, as a man, I have in my toolkit several different tools with which to uh, fix the situation. And some tools require hammers. Some tools require things with hammers. Some tools require screwdrivers or even just a tape measure. Certain things are appropriate. And uh, I think part of the genius of being a black man in, in, in America, especially in the heart of the beast, 
right? The quintessential tribe of Judah where Satan's seat is. I think part of what we are masters of is navigating that. And we can in an instant assess situations and sort of decide on courses of action. And of course, that, that whole plethora of choices that we may perceive at any given instant is going to depend on how we see ourselves. For example, the man Ray Ray. The man Ray Ray goes down to uh, White Castle. And uh, the girl behind the counter, you know, she's smacking and rolling her eyes at talking any type of way. way. <clears throat> now, the type of man that Ray Ray is, you know, he gonna call her all kinds of bitches. You know, which may or may not be true because look, Ray Ray either has a hammer or, you know, Ray Ray might say, you know what, this bitch ain't even worth it. He might tell her about herself a little bit and walk out. Now, the man that is, uh, say, Nick Cannon. No, let's say like a Farrakhan type or just uh, intellectual type. Walks in there, gets disrespected by the, uh, by the uh, gal behind the counter. Now, he's clearly older, middle-aged, gray-haired man, a uh, spark of wisdom showing in his eyes the whole night. And she still says, you know, you didn't order that, you didn't want mayo on it, that's what you should have said. And then, you know what? Mm -hmm. This coach might be, you know what, sister, I came to you respectfully. I came to you respectfully, so even though she acting like what Pookie called it. Sister, you know what? I came to you respectfully. I asked you to fix this and you work here. This is your business, right? I'm a customer. I'm no different than any other customer. I'm paying money. Now, what is it about me that makes you feel like you can dis disrespect me or that I don't merit the same sort of respect? And she look him up and down. Guess what? If she can't find anything, the obvious thing is glowing in his skin. Mm -hmm. Right. So there is a way to deal with that. But see, now the intellectual guy, he's not concerned about looking hard or being embarrassed per se. Right. Like, OK, I'm going to talk to her intelligently. She acting like uh, what Pookie said, but I'm going to call her a sister. And she even if she keep cursing, I'm not losing nothing by it. See, it's two different modes of resourcefulness there that the man draws from within him, the more tools that a man equips himself with, the more options he'll have. So that he goes into that same store and Billy Bob say, look here, nigga, I'm kick your ass if you don't take the burger. See now that same man, he got a hammer in his bag too. So the, the wider set of, of, of devices, that a man can pull out at any given moment in time. It may be most of the most of the situations will recall for the tape measure. He tape measured the girl, right? Whereas at some point, if he need to pull out the hammer, hey, hope I never have to pull out the hammer because I know what's what's coming behind that. But unlike Pookie, right? I'm gonna equip my tool set with more than a hammer and a screwdriver. You know what I'm saying? Because by the time I have to pull out them tools, 
you know, it might be some time behind it, or it might be some other consequence <clears throat> repercussions. Makes sense. So, yeah, uh, us as men, man, yeah, we're in that situation where people see what I do, bro, is I am a man and I am constantly affirming and bettering that identity within myself. That's, that's what I focus on. And then I find that it shows on the outside. So that by the time I get into certain situations, first of all, I'm surprised at the looks of awe and admiration I get from just random people. Oftentimes it's fear, oftentimes it's intimidation. Oftentimes a lot of people will talk behind my back. All these repercussions that come from just shining like you're supposed to, right? right. But then when I do face that disrespect, I dig into my, my intellectual and real toolbox and I handle it, you know? And that's something, some little things I do let slide, right? If it's not worth it, it's chess, not checkers. Sometimes I have to reach in that toolbox and, you know, address certain things because I'm right. not going to eat it. <laughs> They're going to eat it. I'm not going to, it's not going to go into the well of my stress, inner stress. No, I'm going to get that off my chest. And, right. uh, you know, one thing about a star, Kunan, is a star, it doesn't shine from the outside in. All that heat and pressure is on the inside. It's on the inside. It's very dense. It's very hot. It's a lot of pressure. And the more matter that you try to throw into a star, the more stuff you try to throw into it, it's only going to make it burn hotter. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And people look at it and they see all that shining. They're like, damn, I want that. But guess what? They don't want the heat and the pressure. Right. right. <laughs> they just want to shine, right? Right. And then what happens when they get it, get when they get in a situation they don't have the actual gravity within themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? They get burnt out or they get put out or they get flung around by the, the first moon or planet to come along. Why? Because they don't have that gravity. They right. just shine, but just you know, shine. it starts with this. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That's true. That's good, man. I was it's a lot more to it. Um, like I said, it's such a it's such a broad topic and it's a lot to talk about. But overall, um, I just think it's really time for black men to start addressing the issues of black men and, um, you know, really targeting ourselves to better ourselves, you know, holding ourselves accountable um, simultaneously as we um you know acknowledge the the forces that's against us and not take either one lightly because like i don't personally believe in the whole black on black crime as they as they um advertise it because that's what i call it. it's like an advertisement but um there are certain things about it that i have to acknowledge as um as truth but not in a sense that it's um, something exclusively to black men. So it's not like black men have a problem with violence, but we we can't be so sensitive about the topic that we don't talk about violence in our community. Because at the end of the day, if you live in a black community and you know your kids is going to school, you want them to be safe in that community. You don't care who's really the threat. 
you shouldn't at least. And it, it shouldn't matter if it's a group of black boys or if it's the police or if it's a bunch of, you know, white boys. It, that shouldn't matter as much as you saying, hey, whatever the issue in my community is, I want to address it and fix it so that my kids and that I can be safe in this community. And I think that these type of conversations need to happen amongst black men. And um, we need to not avoid certain things just because of the stigmas um, behind them you know, and the things and the stereotypes against us where we might feel offended or sensitive about certain topics that may need to be addressed, but we want to avoid them because people overemphasize on them and make them worse than what they are. I agree, man. But I, and I think just to speak on that real quick, I know we've been at it a couple hours, but to speak on that, man, is, uh, I don't think, okay, so yeah, I don't think that the problem is, like you said, it's not something that's endemic to black people. Like just because it's a black neighborhood doesn't mean it's gonna be killing, shooting, drug dealing and everything. That obviously is a problem of social economics, right? And drugs and lack of education and opportunity right. and, a, and a legacy of trauma from not just slavery, but from every wave of oppression that we've suffered. I think if you go to white communities that are poor, impoverished, you're gonna see crime, you're gonna see um, sex trafficking, you're gonna see methamphetamines and, and fentanyl and all this. Yeah, that's a fact. But here's the thing, when you become, a, I think what we don't have is since we don't have overall authority over our communities and societies. That is the problem. Because when you look at rich or well-off white society, they typically don't worry about things happening to their children that their children don't make happen to themselves. Mm -hmm. Right? They, they're not worried about drive-bys and, and everything like on the scale that we are typically, because we won't fall in the cliche language and yeah, we can talk about Columbine, Columbine et cetera. But when you just look at raw numbers and reality, the reason white people uh, that are at least middle class, even lower middle class in certain areas, they don't have face the same problems and threats is because they're in control of their communities. So if we as black men were able to be in control of our communities, and I think we have a good building start, like right here, like build is how we do it. It's two of us here, right? But it, it can be more. But once we're able to sort of start controlling our spaces, then we'll have more power to determine and provide safety. Right now, we have to look to external institutions to provide safety for us. Right. But yet they're the same institutions that lock us up and beat us and abuse us. So there's a fundamental problem there, conundrum, whereas we want to deal with gang violence or drugs or wayward youth, et cetera. Some of that is social services issues. Some of that is educational systems issues, which it starts there, starts with the education, uh, educational system and social service, mental health institutions, eventually it gets into a, a law enforcement issue. And out of all those institutions, none of them got our back, unless it's got you know a number on it. And so 
We don't have the power to provide these things for our community. So when we say things like black on black crime, yes, it's happening, it's impactful for us, but it's precisely, uh, it's precisely because, right, we're not able to even influence sort of our overall communities the way that other people are. Yep. And other people, other racial groups, ethnicities, they have a, more of an identity of, of founding in who they are. They have entire countries and in many, in many instances, they have languages and countries and, and a uniqueness of who they are, right? So yeah, they're free in that sense, but yeah, like, yeah, just speaking on what you said, man, uh, it's not to just fall back on that and say, um, black and black is the, is the crime, black on black crime is the problem or to say, we're gonna ignore all black on black problems, the problems we have and just get riled up. We get riled up when it's, when it's somebody white or somebody else. But I think that like we said, like that case with the doctor, right? When you have a situation, you wanna know the causes, all the symptoms, you wanna know everything that goes into that. So that the problems that happen in our community yeah, they're dysfunction and there's a self-accountability that has to happen. We got to look at ourselves, but that doesn't mean we're going to ignore the greater realities where we, wherein we exist. Slaves on a plantation back in the day, they would say, yeah, dude, quit uh, being so promiscuous and running away, right? Quit running away from, you know, running away from your family and your children. Quit trying to, you know, uh, be so damn promiscuous. And those slaves needed to take accountability, but at the same time, there was real forces that were forcing them to procreate. Right. That where there was a learned behavior wherein I don't care who the female is, I don't care if she's your cousin, your niece, the girl from the next plantation. I don't care if you call yourself having a wife, nigger. You a buck. You we about to make another baby here, or, you know the instinct to want to run away and be free, uh, not be in situations. And again, we're free to talk about historical and current forces that shape and influence our behavior without being accused of looking for excuses. But we need to take the whole into account because we got to take the whole into account so we can get an accurate solution. If black people tomorrow, everybody just started focusing only on us, focus, what can we do only on us, only. And we started to do things, guess what? That's only part of the solution because it is another real, as a, as, is white supremacy is real. Right, exactly. And that's so true. we have to look at the whole picture, not just one or the other. Exactly, and that's a good point. <laughs> Shorty was taught to keep his head to the sky and never cry.